Okay, we'll begin. Hi, everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are... Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. So we are here today with another episode of Sobriety in the Lives of MG and Elizabeth Pudwell. That's right. And we're very excited that we have a a new guest. We do. We have a guest today. Um, Before I introduce her, um, I just want to remind you that Sober Sisters Talk is about us taking our experiences that we that we that we you know how we live when in the workplace in the in the family in our relationships at the grocery store at the in the parking lot on the freeway Ooh, yeah <laughs> i big. need sobriety on the freeway i'm <laughs> uh-huh, telling you but uh-huh. so we we you know it's so easy to be sober in a meeting or when you're sitting there with your uh sponsor but it is a little bit challenged to, you know, take your sobriety out and out for a drive. And um, so that's what this podcast is about. And um, last week we talked about, um, we talked about like people that are missing and people right. that disappear <clears throat> and why that happens and what happens. And it's a great segue into today's episode. Right, so right. We're sitting here in uh, Dee Gardner Wilson's office. Dee is a friend of mine. We've met a long time ago. We've been friends for a long time. She, in that time, has uh, finished her her education and started a business and started a practice. First, she was working for someone that we both know. Now she's got her own office. It feels really, (laughs) I'm so proud of you. That's so awesome. Thank you. So Dee, I'm going to let Dee um, tell you... her title on her business card is EMDR psychotherapist, which is, wow. um, I love EMDR. That's how I yeah. really got sober, yeah. was working with Iris and him. It saved me, my it, God. Me too. Um, but then there's a whole host of other things down here. So I'm going to let Dee introduce herself, tell you guys who she is and what she does, and then we'll start talking. Okay, thank you, Elizabeth. I'm a, um, as Elizabeth mentioned, I'm EMDR trained. I am a a certified sex addiction therapist. Mm -hmm. I specialize in relationships. I am author of a book called Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Kit. I am, uh, I have a Narcissistic Abuse Recovery um, Facebook, um, Facebook group as well. So, and I have a YouTube channel for uh, narcissistic abuse and, and sex addiction, recovery, and trauma. So how would people find you? And can anybody join the, the Facebook group or the Facebook do group, they have to be a patient? It's only for, it's anybody that identifies with being a narcissistic abuse survivor. If they feel like or they suspect they've been in a relationship with uh, someone with narcissistic traits, then they would qualify. Okay. All right. That's fascinating. I, I want to know all about that, but we have another topic. And we are going to mention we'll do all of this stuff at the end, and I think you can put it in that little um, Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll, we'll mm-hmm. refer all of those information so you guys can find um, Dee's information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, the you know, as we were talking about before we started, um, and, and Dee and I had a conversation about this, about emotional sobriety. And um, that's kind of what this podcast is really about. It's the taking of all of the the um, programs that we work and putting it in a pot. 
<laughs> right, right. Because I think in 12-step recovery, and I like to m- remind people that for me, my goal and my focus is to be happy, joyous, and free. That's like a mandate of, of AA. They write it in the big book, you know? And so it's like, how do I do that? And I've worked AA. I've been sober in AA for almost 30 years. It's 29 wow. years, and it'll be 30 next year. And it really helped me to get sober. But in terms of like, you know, it's sort of like a refining of the process or like the, the peeling of the layers of the onion, this right. mythical onion out there. And it's like getting deeper and deeper into my own recovery. And so I've used a lot of other modalities to try to help accomplish that. But happy, joyous, and free are all emotions, right? Right. So, so why don't you just start by, you know, telling us what, how do you define emotional sobriety? Let's right. see if I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I know, Elizabeth, when you mentioned, emo- you said, what about emotional sobriety? I had in mind we were talking about emotional, more like emotional intelligence in oh, a relationship. Yeah. So I was thinking yeah, yeah, relational, yeah. emotional intelligence. And mm-hmm. why do people, they seem to be doing okay at one moment, maybe for a year, and then all of a sudden it seems like there's this relapse and they know nothing. You know, so what is that? So that's what I I was on the impression that that might have been what you were referring to, but I can mm-hmm. take any route. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did what happened? So you're talking about there's someone that's in recovery, in recovery, well, or in a relationship, and then yeah. all of a sudden, come yeah, off? all of a sudden it's as if they. That's what prompted me to write the book mm. to get. That's how I got involved in narcissistic abuse recovery because mm-hmm. I was like something's missing. Something mm-hmm. is missing mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Something is missing. And so there's a person, they have this awareness. They have this insight. They have these boundaries. They have these standards, right? They've learned to assert themselves. They've learned to speak up and, and all that. They've developed a support network. All the things they tell us right. to do, you know? They've changed people, places, and things, you know? They've yep. done all that. And then they get in a relationship, and they might do fine for a little while. Or as they they date, they go from person to person to person. And, and then I see a different person would emerge, and I was like, what happened? Or even they stop like taking care of themselves. They stop, they stop. going to the meetings. Yeah, and they, they start stop. Dis- mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 what I've noticed is that they they and then after, let's say they, they they're in a relationship, they've been gone a while and they're in the relationship, and then that relationship went south, and then they like crawl back through the door, so to right. speak. I did that year. I remember that. Crawling back through the door. Finally walked okay, I'm a codependent. I remember that was in the nineties. I'll never remember. I was like I, I gotta go. Right. I right. can't do this. Yeah, I, you right. know, I, I, I gotta go. And so, anyways, so, but what I've, I've, fast forwarding what I've learned about, it's about how we show up in this world, is what's coming up in relationships. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that changing people, places, and things doesn't address it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't address that how we show up in the world, that sense of safety attachment styles. I'm not sure if either one of you are mm. familiar with attachment styles, Mm-mm. the four attachment styles. No, but we're ready to learn. Yeah. Okay, there, there are attachment styles. An attachment style is how you interact with people, how you show up in relationships. Do you feel like this world is a safe place or not? Mm-hmm. Everything is based on that. Mm-hmm. Safety so, or then, not. But you're talking about like there's got to be different, because like at home, I mm-hmm. always feel safe. 
mm-hmm. or you know with certain people mm-hmm. and then there's other ones like not so much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and and what do you do with that so it so so when I say attachment style I'm talking about those first few years of life mm-hmm. this is a physical phenomenon Right, because you can have like attachment disorder where you're a psychopath because that hasn't right. Yeah, psychopath yeah, yeah. is develop is during that time. Yeah, so during those first few years of life, did you get the love and nurturing, discipline, sense of security, sense mm-hmm. of safety that you needed, and that's only developing in the brain up until like three years old. After three years old, maybe four years old, some people will even say as early as two, then your attachment style is set. So that child learned to show up anxious. They call them drama queens, drama queen. They they connect with people through anxiety, through worrying, through obsession. We call that preoccupied anxious attachment style. That child might become um, uh, fearful avoidant. So you're familiar with avoidant. Yeah, there are yeah. different types of avoidance. There's fearful avoidant. The fearful avoiding is come close. I want to be close. Go away now. Come close. Go away. Come close. Then I do something and create distance. Come close. Now I get into this addiction and create distance. I do something. And then the um, and then there's dismissive attachment style. And that's the one that looks very narcissistic flat emotions, no emotions. The fearful avoidant has these emotions, they come and go, but the the, the dismissive attachment person is usually very, very um, dismissive. Um, they may be arrogant. They feel like they don't want love. They, they will even say, I don't need love, I'm fine by myself, but they really do. They will get, they will pursue a relationship, but once the demands of intimacy comes up and, and when they need to be vulnerable, that's when they, they're, they're gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're gone. So they could drop a person just like that. I've dated these people. So I, yes. yeah. That's dismissive. <laughs> Every yeah, time you were describing it, I was I know, like, I was I like that the, guy. <laughs> that, uh-huh, that yeah. is very, and that's what got me into the, the narcissism. I was like, well, wait a minute. As a therapist, as a professional, they trained us very little about narcissistic personality disorder. We got well. Very there's a lot of there, there's so much out there that needs to be covered. It's sort of like you know they might have mentioned it, but they didn't really go into it. But right. is there a lot of research on it now? Is there a lot of information? Not enough. Oh. There's not enough. There's not mm. nearly enough. Most of the information out there is from people that are mostly coaches, but not necessarily professionals that are relying on empirical research. On research, right. so there's some miss a lot of misinformation. Out, there's a lot of information out there by people that are really angry. Mm. People are very, very because they've been burned, right? And so they take a lead and they get a lot of a mm. lot. Of, but the thing is, it's a it is a personality type of disorder. Mm-hmm. It is a disorder. So, um, so there there needs to be more research. But and then the last, the fourth attachment style is secure attachment, and that's the one that we want. You know, and that's what we do in recover. We learn to develop a secure uh, attachment style. We call it a learned secure attachment. Now, the healthy child, and you've run across a few in your life, that healthy person, that adult person, that they're secure. They it seems like they already know this stuff that we've had that have taken twenty years to learn. Right. They they do it already. It's right. Like, how did they? 
they haven't been in any recovery. They haven't done. How they do? They that? developed a secure attachment style, a sense of safety when they were real little. Well, they were raised well. You they know? were raised right. There are With people in the world like that. That's yeah. Right. yeah, and so. Um, but at, in recovery, we learn to develop a, a learned secure attachment style. And the problem is, this is where once an addict, always an addict, um, uh, that old neural pathway, it's like you develop new neural pathways in the brain. Right. You learn, you develop new ways of thinking and behaving and reacting and, and, and feeling your, and processing emotions. But the old one is still there and it's going to be there forever. And that's going to be the default if the person stops taking care of themselves, being oh, honest, being open, that's speaking why they go up. That's and it right. starts with very little. Let's say you have that person that's done a ton of work on themselves, and then they got in this relationship, and you say, so how are you doing? And they know that this person, they, they, they promised you that this is my boundary. I'm not going to do this. I am not. He has to have a car. <laughs> Right, or whatever. <laughs> he has yeah. to have a job. Yeah. He has to have a decent yes. job. Yes. But then before you know it, six months later, the they're crawling through. Job. And they didn't yeah. tell you. Yeah. They just start slacking off on going to meetings. Slack. That is what I mean by attachment style. It's a deeper, different type of recovery. Yeah. It's a different type of recovery. We look at the very deep, raw yeah. feelings. Like, so so mm-hmm. would you, if the people that you work with, are they in... Um, some type of 12 step and work with you or do you have a lot of people that work that you just work with that don't have any you know that aren't in recovery or much of the time I send them to 12 step yeah most of the time and sometimes they if they haven't had any type of recovery hardly they know nothing I say go to any relationship program yeah just go to a relationship program if they're gonna because when we work on those attachments stuff to work head on relationship right. so let me ask you this now that we're talking about that mm-hmm. what is, what do you think is the you know why 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 12-step program so what's the advantages right of mm-hmm. therapy and and I think you mentioned knowledge knowledge yeah 12-step programs I said knowledge knowledge is the one big difference knowledge and experience um, we are trained in trauma for example um, I I focus on, for example, let's say, if here's a good example. If someone comes to you and say that they're craving, what is your approach? Either one of you, what's your approach? What do I tell them to do? What would you tell them to do if they come to you and say, I'm craving. I want to use or I want to act out. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I go right to something different, like go work out. You know, distract themselves. Go work out. Read mm-hmm. something that's good. Listen mm-hmm. to. Sometimes music isn't good because that can take you down. Trigger. The, you know, but mm-hmm. call someone. Go mm-hmm. to a meeting. Get mm-hmm. to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. I ask them. I'm like, what? What? I want to get specific about what it is that you're feeling or thinking about. Mm-hmm. So when they say you're craving, like, it's like I really want to call them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I ask them, so what's going on about what's your day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what has happened today what's that happened? has triggered whatever mm-hmm. is going on? Mm-hmm. Because I know that in my own experience, if I want sugar, because that's really like my go-to right now, that's the only thing I kind of indulge in. Or maybe like I do a little bit too much video gaming. I'll, I'll be honest about that. So, you know, when I feel that need to it, then I do a check-in. It's like, what's going on? Like, I'm bored mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm avoiding having to do some onerous task like taxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, I ask them what's going on. And that's a little bit of a therapy thing mm-hmm. that I 
you know, don't want to get into with them. It should be more, I, I'm shooting on myself, but I think that, you know, it should be more like what Elizabeth is saying because it's like get into action. Al-Anon says when we got busy, we got better. And so it's like go into action around it. And that's what I think 12-step recovery is about, is mm-hmm. about, you know, having your action plan mm-hmm. to, like, you know, sustain it or, or like, to prevent you from, um, acting or doing it again. It's a right. behavior. Right. right. It's right. behavior. Right. You focus on behavior. I might focus on what's going on on the inside. For one thing, with like EMDR, the goal is to maximize the feeling. So if someone comes before me and I, I, we do, we're doing EMDR on cravings, I want them to crave. I want them to go deeper into yes. it. Yes. I want them yes. to really, I want them to get yes. the strongest craving they can so they can bring it down right here in the office. Right. Using EMDR. I remember that with my therapist. Yeah. We want we want you to feel. We want you to feel your scare, your fear, your anxiety, or for whatever it is. So we, so we, max, we maximize it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about my therapist and like, oh, want, she was making me. Okay. We're making you feel. Yes. Out there. She Intense. makes you embrace Intense, yes. very, very intense feeling. Like so where the origin, where mm-hmm. it started. Mm-hmm. But exactly. This is very therapeutic, and it's done in a very um, controlled way. Right. 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 We also right. need right. to know when to back off. Right, right, and right. There's right. a time to back off. There's a time. Okay, let's go down. Okay, they're not ready. Let me back up. Let me not go down that road. Um, another thing I've done is I, I'll throw something at them, like one of my animals in here. I don't know if I mentioned that before. Um, I'll just throw some, I'll just immediately distract them right then and there. I distract them. Right, um, right. There's times we've gone outside and we'll say, let's look at this. Let's, let's go outside. And let's look at the leaves. around here. Let's yeah. look at the ground. Let's look at the leaves. What do you see? And, and it's amazing what they come up. I just see what they come up with. I'll have them go inside and explore. Well, kind of similar to like what you were saying, go inside and explore what was happening before this? What what's happening? What's missing? And sometimes I'm just kind of I'm nice. I'm kindly confronting them. What are you not telling me? What are you not telling me? And is it often that they don't even know, and that you're helping pull well, that I information out? Well, I believe they in? do. I believe they always know. Ah. There's something inside of them. They may not know. They may not have walked through They're the door. They're not conscious of it's it. It's not right. here. But I, want, I might have to say, close your eyes. Yeah. What, tell me what sensations you have in your body. And that's, oh, I feel real hot right there. Right there. It's really hot. Well, lean into that heat, and I want you to let me know what's going on. I so that's that. a therapy. That's a somatic therapy approach. So you mentioned earlier, too, about the brain and, like, having that, uh, you know, the, the neural pattern. Mm-hmm. And, like, you get into this space where... Um, you know, your normal neural pattern is, I'm craving, I'm craving, I'm craving, I'm craving. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then you throw the the animal. Does mm-hmm. that, like, like hop it out of the neural? Right. It's hopping. It's popping. It, that's making them jump from that. There's a memory network. There's a memory network that's been activated. And it's taken them out of that memory network. And they're in the right part of their brain. They're in the limbic system that's activated. They have their fight or flight thing going on. They have their maladaptive behaviors that they're so used to with strong emotions. All that's activated in their right brain. Now, if you're going to catch this animal just hurling at you real quickly, you got to quickly jump into your uh-huh. left brain. I so see. we take them over there. Another strategy is counting. We get them to count backwards by 70. There's yes. re- there's evidence that says 
by seven, there's something about sevens that makes the limbic system calm down uh-huh. and oh get, get the Focus logic on the sevens and online. Like, yeah. Right. Start using your memory about. And it, it's the same as it's trauma. Right. right. It's, it's similar right. to trauma. Right. Yeah, we get the, the that activation, get it calmed down, and get into the logic that says, wait a minute, I'm in this blue room. There are four walls here. Right. I'm not, I'm safe. I'm all right right now. So we talked a little bit about, um, to uh, the malignant impact. Malignant impact. Yes, mm-hmm. and I wanted you to just you know, expand on that a little bit because I think that's so interesting. I think I know people that do this. Well, you've heard of the price of nice. Yes. Price Mm -hmm. of nice, being nice, overly Mm -hmm. nice, being nice and kind and extending positive regard regardless at all costs, regardless of how we're being treated, regardless, you know. uh, Of the cost to our own self. Right. I say you have the the narcissist on one end and there's a spectrum. The narcissist selfish on one end and you have this empath, this severe severely malignantly impact on this other end of this spectrum i mean is this such a nice person this person the narcissist i didn't mention this the narcissist has a false self they have a false superior complex out there they have a false self depending on the type of narcissist that they show the world well this other person does too this malignant impact they do too it's nice it's nice. Oh, that's the mask that's the they pale. show. That's their, there is a payoff. Both yes. of them have a payoff. Right. But you were saying that they're both sides of the same coin. They're heads and tails of mm. the same coin. On one side, selfish. On the other side, selfless. And that selfish person, they got to have the selfless in order to function. And that selfless person, the people that are going to be really comfortable with that, is going to be the selfish. It's like a perfect storm. Absolutely. And they search each other out. They're going to be drawn to one another. Right. Yeah, I always say when you walked up to that person in that store, you didn't walk up to that person, oh, they're hot. That's not why you walked up uh-uh. to them. That you is walked not up to why. that stuff. You walked, yes, you walked up to that trauma bond. You walked up to those signals, those unspoken. And, and um, you can't fake it. You can't fake healthy, secure versus insecure attachment style. But I want to know, so, like, so is that that thing, like, I just felt drawn to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was something about us. There was yeah. something about him. A lot of times a narcissist, now they do this strategically. They're plotting. They will say, there was just something about you. I just feel like I've known you all my life. Mm-hmm. That's exactly mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. So when you hear that is, or feel or that, we're that, perfect together. We're right. perfect. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, well, that's why, where have you been all my life? It's like, I just... You know, mm-hmm. you were just, yeah, perfect. Yeah. I and guess that's why I'm not attracted to anybody. <laughs> that extreme, that extreme severe, when we're at these extremes, yeah. that's when there's a, that's a red light. So, yeah, you've got heads and tails of the, the same coin. So, you've got, if you've got one sick person, I know in, in my group, sometimes I post things in my uh, Facebook narcissistic abuse group. I'll post things, you know, I forget what the last one was. I post a couple of days, and there's always these reactions. <laughs> you, oh. you mean, we're just as sick as they are. <laughs> and then they're not the victim? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I it was his fault. You mean, I'm not a victim? Yeah, yeah. that's 
kind of the message. That's the message of my book. Is, um, you're you know, not a victim. Yeah. You're not a victim. You signed up for right. this. Right. You're yeah. not a victim. You you're sick. You're just as sick. You're right. both. You both have issues. You both have. You right. know. And until you take care of that attachment piece, how you show up in the world. Right. Until, um, like I mentioned, learn secure attachment before. Um, and I mentioned I have a preoccupied, my basic makeup is preoccupied anxious. Well, what that means is I need more reassurance than the average bear, the avoidant. Oh, okay. Or the secure person. I need more reassurance. Right. Well, a secure person is going to be willing to do that. But if I hook up with an avoidant, they're not going to be, they're not going to be able to do that. But a secure person will. Right. So, right. so being secure enough to say, I've got this deficit. You know, I've got this thing in my brain that didn't develop. Or the fearful avoidant person, the person that wants you close and they oh, that's too mm-hmm. close. You're only going to go away. And I'll go away. They need to know that they need their space right. for one thing. They've right. got to have their space. Well, and it's I not have, optional. Right. And I have a good friend that um, she's a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. And I love her. And we've been friends for 30 years. And I don't, and, and I feel like we're secure friends. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be you know, very, um, do a lot of things with her, but you know, mm-hmm. it might be three months before mm-hmm. we have any contact mm-hmm. and then we'll go to the movie and go to yoga and, you know, we'll have stuff, but it's like, I feel like she has that, like, I would prefer to have a closer relationship with this mm-hmm. person, but she but, needs space. Yeah, she needs her, she, she needs, needs her a lot space. of space. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, call me when you're ready. And you're secure enough to not take that person. Right. So that's and make it what about I mean. yourself. And not to make it about yourself. So that's, it, it doesn't mean that these things, these needs we have are going to just go away because we get in recovery, but we need to be comfortable right. and secure enough to verbalize what we need. But, to forge you know. those new brain, mm-hmm. brain roads. Because it does pattern. Yeah. Yes, and then the need isn't so big. The need isn't as great as it used to be early on. It's not. It's not that big. Right. Right. Well, we so appreciate you and your time, and um, we just like so like we're going to come back. Okay. We want to come back. We want to do your book and and do a whole. uh, The thing, the narcissist stuff is so fascinating. It is. Mm -hmm. And thank you for doing all that work around that. It's so needed. Yeah, it is. So I want to remind you that you can find D. Where do you have a website? Uh, My website is www.thecounselingservice.com. T H E counselingservice.com. My, um, you, I can be found on YouTube, Mindfulness Abundance by D. Gartner on YouTube. I can be found on Facebook. The Counseling Service is my Facebook page. And then there's the Narcissistic Abuse Group on my Facebook page. And mention again the name of your book. Yeah. Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Kit, A Roadmap Back to Sanity. By D. Gardner. By and you can D. find Gardner. that on Amazon? It's on Kindle. Amazon okay. Kindle. Okay. Well, wonderful. D, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. You. Yes. And if you guys have any questions, you can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, and uh, we do have a website. www.SoberSistersTalk.com. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you.